Hey guys, welcome to Spencer Talks About Stuff. For the amendments today, I wanted to amend something back from the episode with Tyler Shoemaker. In the movie Point Break with Keanu Reeves, Keanu plays a former college football quarterback and we could not think of what school he went to. But Johnny Utah was a quarterback at THE Ohio State University. In the last episode with Zach, I wanted to clarify something about the South China Sea. The South China Sea disputes involve both island and maritime claims among several sovereign states within the region, namely Brunei, the People's Republic of China, which to us as Americans is mainland China. The Republic of China, which to us as Americans is Taiwan. Indonesia, Malaysia, the Philippines, and Vietnam. So I recommend looking up some articles or watching some videos about the South China Sea if you are interested in learning more. Another question we had was does the UN recognize Taiwan? And the answer is no, the UN does not recognize Taiwan. On October 25, 1971, the United Nations General Assembly voted to admit the People's Republic of China, which is mainland China, and to expel the Republic of China, which is Taiwan. The Communist PRC, which is mainland China, therefore assumed the ROC's place, Taiwan's place, in the General Assembly, as well as its place as one of the five permanent members of the UN Security Council. So Zach and I had another question about the 6th century Muslims who invaded Spain. This was the Umayyad Caliphate, and it was the second of the four major caliphates established after the death of Muhammad. The caliphate was ruled by the Umayyad dynasty. The third caliph, Uthman ibn Affan, was a member of the Umayyad clan. The Umayyad clan established a dynastic hereditary rule with Muwayyah ibn Abi Sufyan, who was the longtime governor of Al-Sham, which is modern-day Syria, and he became the sixth caliph after the end of the first Muslim War in 661 BC. So a caliphate is an Islamic state under the leadership of, a, of an Islamic steward with the title of caliph. So a caliph is a person considered a politico-religious successor to the Islamic prophet Muhammad and a leader of the entire Muslim community. I think this is a very interesting part of history that is very neglected in Western schools. I recommend looking up some articles or watching some more videos about caliphates if you're interested in learning more. For Spencer's favorites, I want to give a shout out to Diet Sodas. If you are dieting and cutting calories, do not believe all the BS that Diet Sodas will make you fat. In fact, it is scientifically impossible to get fat from drinking Diet Sodas. They have zero calories. They might make you hungrier because they lack calories, but they are a nice treat when you are cutting carbs or sweets. I want to give a shout out in particular to Shasta Diet Sodas, specifically Diet Dr. Shasta and the Diet Shasta Grapefruit, which tastes like the soda squirt. You can find 12 packs of Shasta Sodas at Winco for less than $3, which is an amazing deal. Please subscribe and leave a five-star review on Apple Podcasts. We are now live on Spotify and Stitcher. Without further ado, here is episode 21 of Spencer Talks About Stuff. All right, welcome to episode 21 of Spencer Talks About Stuff. Today on the podcast, I have Kiwi Palmer. Kiwi is, well, Kiwi and I met because I was downtown at Burger Belly and I saw some, some employees or former employees from Pie Hole protesting in front of Pie Hole. And Pie Hole is like a you know, kind of local legend bar spot when you're hungry, when you're drinking, you go over to Pie Hole. And I've been to Pie Hole many times. So 
it's kind of cool that we met that way and I invited you on the podcast. So thank you for being here. Of course. I am super excited to be here. <laughs> uh, yeah, I listened to a couple episodes of the podcast and it seems really just nice to just chill and have a couple of drinks and talk about stuff. So. Yeah. Yeah. Awesome. Yeah. So we were actually just talking about COVID testing. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And, and you said you thought maybe you would have active COVID from working in the um, food industry mm-hmm. or the antibodies, but you got tested for both and you didn't have them. Yeah. I was just like, cause you keep hearing that you can be like asymptomatic and have it and just like not know. So uh, just working at pie hole, even with like whatever reasonable, like even wearing masks and like washing your hands a lot, it's hard to not touch, you know, stuff all the time, like door dashers and customers cards and things like that. Yeah. Yeah. So I was like, just curious if I, you know, had it and just not had symptoms. Yeah. So yeah, I went and got, like an antibodies test and I'd always heard the results would take like forever to get back. And literally the next day I had the results back. So no COVID, but also no antibodies. Yeah. I actually, so I just got pricked today for Mm. my antibody test and I'll find out tomorrow if I had the antibodies or not. Um, My wife found out that she did not have the antibodies. So it's kind of funny. I think like most people, they kind of got sick at the beginning of the year. They think that they maybe had it, but I haven't heard of any of my friends or anyone having the antibodies. So yeah, it's weird because like I did at, at the beginning of the year, I had like maybe a, some kind of cold or something, and then I just like convinced myself like, oh yeah, I must have just had it, you know. But that was like so long ago, maybe even like before, you know, it could have possibly been yeah. in Idaho, you yeah. know. So yeah, yeah, but it kind of feels it, it's nice that like I know that I can get a test and get results back quickly. Yep. You know, yep. it just yeah. is kind of comforting. Yeah, it is comforting. Um, where'd you go to get your test? Um, I went to like the women's health center. I just have like a, no- like a normal doctor that I see regularly, um, there that like started as my OBGYN. And yeah. so she just said that I could go get it from them. Oh, cool. So awesome. It was actually like, super easy. Yeah. Nice. Um, so you brought some beers for us to enjoy. Yeah. Do you want to talk about the beer you brought? Yeah. So this is like my favorite, um, just like beer. Just if I just need to go pick up some beers. I was going to say, I can crack them if you want and you can explain. Okay. Sounds good. You want to crack them and I'll explain. So I, uh, I went and grabbed some Stella Artois because yeah, it's just a really good, it's my favorite. I love like Belgian beer. Um, I am one fourth Belgian. My grandmother was born in Belgium and I don't know if it's just like in my blood, but any kind of like Belgian ale is just like my absolute favorite. Nice. My, my wife and I actually went to, uh, Belgium. God, when was that? In November? So. Very nice. I haven't gotten to go in like quite a few years, but because it's just kind of expensive um, to just, you know, even just a flight to Europe is like crazy. But um, I still have like a great aunt that lives there because my my grandma and her sister moved to the U.S. when they were pretty young, like 20. Okay. Um, But yeah, my... My great aunt lives there. I have like a bunch of cousins and second cousins. So at least yeah. if I like go to Europe, I can like, if for part of the trip, have like a place to stay. Yeah, someone to talk cool. to. Or, yeah. Um, mm-hmm. So have you been to Europe yet? Or? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Okay, cool. Yeah. And you've been to Belgium? Yeah, nice. I have. And um, my most recent trip to Europe, I just decided to do, that was a couple years ago, I guess like a year and a half ago, um, I decided to just do like Iceland and the UK. Oh, cool. And that was, yeah, it was absolutely beautiful. Yeah. But... Iceland was like crazy expensive everything. Like we, the, the like the Icelandic airline lost our bag, uh-huh. and so we had like nothing. So we had to buy just like some a few normal things in Iceland. Yeah, and it was two hundred dollars to just get like one outfit 
at H&M oh of the gosh. cheapest stuff we could find yeah, yeah. and just like shampoo and toiletries. It's 200 bucks. Oh my gosh. <laughs> I was like, oh no. <laughs> I feel like I've done the opposite end of Europe. Like I went to, my wife and I, we went to Serbia, Croatia, Bosnia, and it was like, you can get a beer and a pizza and it was like $4. Like it was that's, awesome. That's great. <laughs> um, so I, I kind of want to delve into the reason that I invited you on. Yeah, sure. Um, and I was doing a little bit of research and I read some of the articles about it. But I wanted to give you an opportunity to kind of explain from, yeah. the, from the beginning everything that happened with Pie Hole. Sure. Okay. So something that I, yeah, something that I kind of want to start with is that like I feel bad already about like how much the other Pie Hole's already getting rubbed into it because there's um, the Pie Hole on Broadway yep. that we work at and then there's the one on 8th and Main downtown Yeah. and they are owned by two different guys. So it's like... Um, the guy that owns the eighth and main one, I have no beef with him. He used to be our boss because he used to own the one on Broadway Okay. also. Um, but he probably, I mean, I feel like just, he's been having some like economic trouble because with this COVID stuff going on. Yeah. Um, or even like right before it, because he was trying to open like a music venue downtown that was all ages. The, it's called the Regal Beaver and he also owns the mode. Yeah. Oh, I didn't know he owned the mode Mm -hmm. too. Yeah. Okay. And the Regal Beaver was already kind of struggling because just doing an all ages music venue is like really difficult. Yeah. You can't sell alcohol and yeah. So was so, it, was it, it was just a venue. It wasn't like a, like a school of rock type of thing. No, but there was like food. Okay. You know, like just some, yeah, just like a small menu of stuff available. Um, but yeah, but not like there's no liquor license. So it wasn't like a Neurolux type environment, which I think is like a lot better for yeah. music, but so Russ sold, um, yeah, he sold the pie hole on Broadway to a couple of other guys and they're actually the guys that own all the other pie holes in the country. Oh, okay. So there's three other locations other than the two like ones here in Idaho, even the Russ started it. There's one in Salt Lake, right? Mm-hmm, Cause yeah. I, my buddy and I were driving through Salt Lake mm-hmm. one time and we saw the pie hole. I was like, Oh my God. And I, I guess I didn't realize that it's owned mm-hmm. by the same yeah. guys. Yeah. So I, I, I also like, I lived in Salt Lake for about a year. So I'd go there all the time too, yeah. even before I ever worked there. Yeah. But, um, yeah. So like Russ opened the two in Boise and then he like franchised it out to a couple different people. And it's, um, basically Ryan and Gio. These are the people that I do have a beef with. Okay. <laughs> people that Russ sold Pie Hole Broadway to. And, uh, you know, either one or both of them, you know, together, like co-owners yeah. own the one in Salt Lake, the one in, in, in Missoula and the one in, um, Denver, Colorado. Okay. And so Russ just started like franchising out basically. And so Russ was like, okay, well they can probably just take over the Broadway one. So he sold it to them and that was on like March 1st. And, um, that like really kind of coincided pretty exactly with when the pandemic started like really cracking down on stuff. Yeah. And so they, like working at Pie Hole, like a ton of, first off, it's a job. I loved that job. Yeah. It was like my favorite job I've ever had. I love like, just kind of like a crazy fast paced environment like that. And like my coworkers were amazing. But, um, a lot of our money came from tips, like just from those drunk people coming through, like, yeah. you know, right from sandwich between those like college bars. Yeah. And, um, so it's right. If people don't know where Pie Hole is, it's on the corner of University and Broadway. Mm-hmm. And so it's right next to the end zone and it's right next to um, Suds. Suds. Mm-hmm. Yep, yep, yeah. Yeah. 
yeah so even like like suds would have like dollar beer night on thursdays where you get a 16 ounce bud light for a dollar yeah, yeah so people just come like college kids would come with like a 20 dollar bill and they'd get like nine bud lights and yeah. then just come like just smashed to pie hole but like that was we make a ton of money those nights you know yeah so um it was basically like a living wage, you know, before, like, because a lot of the, the crew at pie holes, like, you know, older people, like my, not older, but like for the food service, yeah. you know, like no offense to people that work at McDonald's or Domino's, but they tend to be like, you know, teenagers. Yeah. A lot of me, and my coworkers, a pie holer, like I'm 25. A lot of my coworkers are like 30 or have kids. Yeah. So it's more like a long-term like restaurant career sort of job. So our base pay, um, they moved everybody up to at least $10. And as a shift lead, I was making 11 and we were like, that's great. Like we got like, a, you know, some of us got as much as like a dollar 50 raise. So this is, this is after the this pandi- is the, this is the, yeah, the new owners, the pandemic starts. They're like, okay, we're going to give people a little bit of a raise. And we're like, okay, that's really cool. We were super hopeful about like some of the stuff they were doing. Yeah. Um, but you guys also, so they gave you those raises in anticipation for less tips, right? Mm-hmm. Okay. Yeah, exactly. And they were worried about business like being really bad because there was a point in time where there was like no dine-in at all allowed. It was just takeout. Um, and that really hurts like tip wise because already we did a lot of stuff through DoorDash, which the tip goes to the DoorDasher entirely, which is totally understandable. They're the ones that are like delivering it mm-hmm. really, you know? Mm-hmm. So, um, but it's not so good for us. And then they also like really started pushing like Grubhub and Uber Eats as well. Yeah. And they even had like their website, like how to order was like redirected through DoorDash oh. and stuff. So it was just like very, it became like basically all online orders Um, but at the same time, once that, you know, there was like that, I don't know what stage it was in, but there's no dine in. It was all takeout. Yeah. But also everyone was staying home. So they were ordering a ton of stuff through DoorDash. Yeah. So we were like busier than we'd ever been. But not making as much money. But making way less money. Yeah. Like myself, I probably was making, but before I could have easily made you know, like 17 bucks an hour with tips, which is pretty good for working at yeah, a restaurant. Totally. It was like, you know, it was a job I was able to make it with like while going through school. Yeah. And, um, you know, and my coworkers were like night, uh, like, like weekend night people, they'd make more than that even, yeah. especially like a Saturday night. Um, I worked like several Saturday nights where I would walk out with a hundred dollars wow. in tips, like, and, and game days, like w- more than that definitely I bet. Yeah, it was totally. like cr- it was crazy i've been there drunk on game days <laughs> and i probably tipped like 20 bucks <laughs> yeah <laughs> thank you yeah. Um, yeah so, so we were hurting yeah so like how far into that did you guys decide to start negotiating because i know you mm-hmm. you approached them right about we did well we'd we tried to talk to them like because they'd been like ch- like super chill up to that point, they'd even like done a couple like they'd re- you know uh, replaced a couple like broken things in the store that had been like not maintained for forever. We we're like, oh, this is great. Like, yeah, they're gonna inject some money into here. They'll take care of us. And um, we tried to talk to them like on an individual basis because that's the kind of the stuff that like people always say. You know, that's yeah. like what your boss always says. It's like we have an open door policy. You can come talk to us about anything. Yeah, and they brought in a manager 
um, from Salt Lake. He used to manage, his name's Andrew. He used to manage Salt Lake and they actually moved him out here to co-own. He like has a partial ownership Okay. and is like the full-time manager of Broadway Pie Hole now. Yeah. So we'd have to basically talk to him and then he would always just say like, oh yeah, I'll bring this up to Ryan and Gio. And then sometimes it would be like a yes. Like when we say, hey, can you provide us with masks? Yeah. We got masks. And then sometimes it would be a no. Like, can we have customers have to wear masks? And yeah. he'd be like, Ryan and Gio said no. We'd be like, okay. And like, I had a coworker that asked for a raise, uh, on t- like because they didn't give her as much of a raise as they did some other people. And she has a kid. And they, you know, Andrew's like, I'll talk to Ryan and Gio. And they said, Ryan and Gio said no. And yeah. they're like, and that you can go work somewhere else if you need to make more money kind of stuff. Yeah. And so, which sucks if you're very loyal to it. You've worked there for a long time. Mm-hmm. You really enjoyed working there. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, she'd worked there for uh, at Pie Hole, like, uh, you know, with Russ and then these people for four years. Wow. Like, it was, it's a, you know, a big part of her life. A lot of the, between even just the shift lead team, there's 15 years of Pie Hole experience yeah. alone. <laughs> not yeah. just like, not like, let alone just food service or restaurant experience. Yeah. Um, yeah. And so we just felt like it wasn't, the stuff that we really were serious about, like making the customers wear masks or making DoorDashers wear masks yeah. because they're everywhere. Yeah, they're yeah. They're going to a million restaurants, yeah, you making know. Yeah, 15 deliveries a day. And, <laughs> yeah. yeah. And if they weren't wearing masks, you're like, okay, um, you know, how serious are you taking things? And um, we wanted a no firearm sign because with all the BLM protests going on, like some of the, like, the counter protester type people were like really close to the Capitol. Yeah. So people would come in with like, literally like an AR-15 or yeah. something. And we were like, I don't really feel comfortable with that. And so yeah, we that, just... That gun probably shouldn't be in the <laughs> pizza store. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> Especially, exactly. there's like such close quarters in the one downtown too. Like I feel mm. like it would be like if somebody was carrying a firearm, whether or not it's legal in Boise, yeah. in that venue, it's like too crammed. I feel yeah. like if you had a rifle on your back, you're going to turn and like knock stuff off the counter anyway. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> your M4, like, oh, whoops. You yeah. just knock them off. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So, so yeah. And even though like, you know, I don't mind people like having guns, honestly, like, you know, if they are safe with them or whatever. But Pie Hole is but, almost, it's almost like a bar too. Yeah. Because they serve beer in there. Mm-hmm. I mean, I've yeah. gotten beer in Pie Hole. Yeah. We do serve, I know yeah, that we serve beer. a lot of bars don't let people bring firearms in, so... Yeah, exactly. It's like, yeah. <laughs> it's like, That's okay, not, somebody can get like, you know, somebody can get like two 16 ounce Bud Lights and then like can just wander around with their AR-15 in here. Like we just didn't feel comfortable. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. 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 That's, that doesn't seem unreasonable, especially if your employees are all in agreement on it mm-hmm. as an owner, maybe you should, you know, respect their opinions. Yeah. And they initially it was, it was like, they wouldn't even kind of explain to us. They were just like, it was it was basically just this illusion of you can come talk to us and then it was that meant talk to Andrew who had just as much stake in the business as the owners because he wasn't you know a on like a wage worker like them yeah. he co-owned the business and then he could just say well Ryan and Gio you know so he could just blame some people that we never really got to see that that much yeah yeah you know who like we didn't have any way to contact really yeah and um so we felt like our only option at that point was to like collectively bargain. Uh-huh. And so several of my coworkers, we we kind of even been like playing with the idea when Russ was the owner because Russ didn't pay us as well. I was making 940 
under Russ and yeah. then um, $11 under the new guys. Okay. And there was a few things, but we kind of just knew that it was sort of a lost cause with Russ. We could tell that he was planning on selling the business and had sort of just given up all um, like maintaining of it, which we understood that there's a lot going on in his life and he has other things to worry about that maybe weren't going so well. Yeah. And we'd known him for years. So we're just like, okay, you know, it's fine. We'll just, we'll just see what happens. And then with the new people, we felt like we didn't have to initially because they'd been actually making changes that we felt were super positive. Yeah. And when we asked for these things, like for a raise, right. They would just say like, Oh, well, Oh, okay. This is, this is kind of a sidetrack, but like, because tips were down so much, right? There was some, there was like some disagreement that we'd had. Like our first indication that we might have to like actually fight for something was that like on Uber Eats, there's this thing called like a restaurant contribution. Yeah. It's like an extra way for people to tip, so to speak. Okay. Um, that as like someone that's ordered from Uber Eats before, I've always thought that goes to the like people that work in the restaurant. Oh, you but know? it goes to. Yeah. And so we asked them, we're like, Hey, can we like at least have that? Like, or you know, our like effective pay is way down and Andrew always say, yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, yeah, we'll definitely do that. And there was a point where all of us were under the impression we were getting that already. Yeah. And it turns out that we never did. And like, and not only that, like when we started getting our paychecks, they moved like, you know, credit card tips to being on our paychecks okay. instead of just taking it, like cashing out at the end of the night. Oh, okay. And it was always like rounded down or up. I don't, I don't know. It was rounded to an exact zero dollars and zero cents amount. Yeah. Like my tips used to be, my credit card tips would be like, you know, $17 and 85 cents or whatever. And then it changed to being like, like in a two, you know, two week pay period, it would just say two hundred dollars like in even. credit card. Yeah, even. Yeah, okay. And I was like, and we just didn't really know, so we'd asked them like for clarity, and we just like we're never, we weren't getting that, and yeah, so we just kind of, we kind of knew that we'd have to push them a little bit, especially because, and I cannot stress this enough, we were busier yeah. than we were before the pandemic. Yeah, and making less. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Exactly. Like it wasn't like they were a struggling business or what, you know what I mean? Like this idea that they were like hit really hard by the pandemic. If anything, it was like kind of a blessing for the owners because now everyone's staying home ordering a whole pies on DoorDash. Yeah. Instead of just pizza. Instead of, of yeah. Yeah. And, and we could tell that even though, even though we couldn't see the reports, right? Like just from how much dough we had to make or how much we had to prep stuff. It was like, two times three times what we were doing before yeah in terms of output of pizza we're like they're making plenty of money like they can just give us a raise and (laughs) and then we wanted to make sure that it was clear that we were like open to negotiating yeah you know so in our statement that we all like wrote up and agreed upon we said like we just want you know open communication with you we're confident that you we you can work with us on these issues so we submitted it to Andrew in a shift lead meeting, just like printed it out and gave it to him. Yeah. And he seemed like, I would not say like happy, but that same like, okay, I've talked to Ryan about it. Yeah. And we just never heard back for three days about it. We we're like, just expected to hear something. Like, yeah, it seems like kind of a big issue for you guys. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Like we expected them to be like, even if they were like really pissed, like that they would say, yeah, how dare you do this? Like, you know, we're angry at you, but it was nothing like silence. just radio silence. Yeah. And finally, like 
the next time I saw Andrew, because he came into the place, like he didn't address it at all. He didn't say anything. And so I was like, okay, let's see what happens. And he just, that day, he did like at least five interviews for new hires. Oh, wow. And I was like, "Uh, okay. And they'd been saying they were trying to like get a, a new person but they just hired a new person. Okay. Which was which is totally fine. I really liked I really like him as he's cool. But um like a multiple of the new hires came in and said, Oh, I start this week. And I was like, okay, like uh It's kind of shady. Yeah. Feels like maybe they're trying to replace <laughs> replace someone or Yeah. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. And I yeah, so I suspected that they were potentially our replacements in case we like decided to do a walkout or yeah. something. And you know. So before Andrew left, I was like, hey, can I talk to you for a second? Like, before you go? Yeah. And he's like, yeah, sure. And I met them. I was like, um, everyone's kind of nervous about, like, all the new hires. Um, I texted everyone and told them that you did, like, five interviews for new hires today. And we just want to know what's going on um, and how you guys feel about the statement. And he said, well, we just feel like it's an attack on our business. And you guys are being hostile. And we have to cover our bases, yeah, in case there's a walkout. And I was like, okay, well, we we want to talk to you about it. Like, yeah. we're not planning. We have no walkout planned. Yeah. Like, we had not arranged that with anybody. Yeah. And yeah, then, and but but I said, you know, our next collective bargaining ship, uh, we all decided that we're not going to train like our replacements. You know, so we'll work, but we're just not going to do the training. We're yeah. not going to like talk to the new people. They can work. We can work. We're just not going to train them. Yeah. And he's like, okay, I'll talk to Ryan and Gio. And then he came back in an hour later. He says, there's an emergency shift lead meeting tomorrow and Gio's flying out from Salt Lake. We're to like, come up to Boise. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. We're like, okay. <laughs> hey, you got his attention. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. We finally got his attention. Yeah. And so we kind of prepared ourselves for like what would potentially go down. And it turns out that he just um, fired the shift lead team for not meeting duties. Oh, wow. Quote, unquote. How many people were in the shift lead? Um, there were six shift leads. Okay. And he ended up firing five of us um one guy stayed which we kind of knew he would but it's really cool and um then the rest of the crew other than that very very new person um just walked out kind of with us yeah so he lost eight of ten people total in that experience so so i have no idea about like workers rights or anything (laughs) i do know idaho is a right to work state yep um we don't unionize in idaho okay so but and that, you probably have learned so much about this, right? Yeah. Yeah. All that means is that you don't have to be in a union. Okay. You know, like... So they like, don't force you to be in a yeah, union. Yeah. Like some places, like you have to join the union. Like to, like if you want to like be a teacher or whatever in some states, like you have to join the teacher's union. Yeah. Or like the police union. Or, exactly. Yeah. 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 We're like in Idaho because it's right to work. Like you don't have to okay. do that. And we're also an at-will state, which means that... Um, your employer can fire you for any reason okay. except for you do have a few protections. Like your boss can't fire you like because you're black or because you're gay or yeah. like stuff like that, like discrimination yeah. things, all the civil rights stuff, civil rights stuff, you know, yeah. all that classic good civil rights stuff. Yeah. And, um, <laughs> and, um, and also you can't be fired for what's called protected concerted activities which it, it basically it just like serves to protect collective bargaining okay. and the forming of your own union. So okay. you can form a union. You just don't have to. Okay. So have you guys, 
have you talked to an attorney? Have you looked into anything or? Yep. Okay. So, <laughs> yeah. I mean, I don't know how much you want to share about this stuff. I will now that okay. it's like further along. So we filed a claim with the National Labor Relations Board. Okay. Because we believe that we have a case for wrongful termination because we would think we were fired for those protected concerted activities. Um, like basically that we were fired because we were collectively bargaining. Yeah. Like all the things that he fired us for were like our attempts at collective bargaining. And um, we also are like going other legal avenues just because the NLRB can only do so much. Like they can only do that one specific thing where we have reason to believe there are other labor violations that are happening in that situation and potentially it has other businesses. But I don't want to just like throw accusations out there. We're just having someone look into it. So we have two other... um, like one lawyer is through the uh, the local AFL-CIO restaurant union. They represent like all the Albert, like some Albertsons food people. Um, so we have representation from them. And then I'm looking into also just like a pro bono private lawyer. Who's like, just like a labor rights activist kind of, kind of lady. Okay, cool. Yeah. That's awesome. Mm-hmm. Well, good for you guys. Yeah. It's yeah. Been kind of fun. Believe in your workers rights. And yeah. 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 We just don't want, <laughs> I guess the reason why we like actually decided to go for legal action is that we just don't want like him to feel like he can just like stomp all over us and we'll be like, well, well, I guess we're just fired now, you know, when he like broke laws and was like, furthermore, just like a total dickhead, you know? Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, That's, that sucks. Especially. So, so geo wasn't one of the original owners right you said no okay who was russ his name is russ crawford he's like i said he's was always totally fine did you guys ever chat with him instead of just chatting with geo um he no longer had any kind of you know say over what happened like once he sold it to them like he had no ownership anymore like he might be privately talking with them complaining about how what they're doing is putting you know like like tarnishing his good name. So so he has 0% ownership now in Pie Hole. In Pie Hole Broadway. Oh, just in Pie Okay, gotcha, yeah. gotcha. He still owns the 8th and Main one. And the people there are still, they're, they're still chilling. They've had a good relationship with him. So I, I, as far as I know. Yeah, I mean, you know. and that's what I've seen on social media too is, I mean, I don't know if there were actual calls to like boycott the Broadway one, but they said, don't think we're talking about mm-hmm. the downtown one. It's just the one on Broadway. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Because yeah. yeah, I don't want to like, you know, for those, the, you know, my friends and the the workers there to feel like we're trying to mess with them also or. Yeah. And um, even like the other the other pie hole locations like in Salt Lake and Denver, for example, th- like those are the two where like Geo's name is on. The business license, the Missoula one, um, Ryan, who's also a co-owner, he's more like of a kind of a silent partner type, you know, okay. he's less like public facing. Yeah. He, he is quoted in one of those in the Idaho Statesman article about us. Okay. His name's also on the Missoula license and Ryan and Gio have worked together in, on several. They also have like some consulting companies and I don't know, other stuff like that. Yeah. Gotcha. So. So, so I yeah. have a, I have a few ideas Kay. that I want to ask you about. Um, let's hear it so the first one is have you guys thought about or are there other companies doing their own deliveries during the pandemic or is everybody outsourcing like to doordash Mm. and grubhub um a lot i think a lot of companies are still doing their own deliveries um 
especially like i think there's like sushi places and stuff that like, I've, quick, like quick walk is yeah, mm-hmm. yeah 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 like yeah like chinese food places um and we asked him because w- when russ was the boss we did deliver ourselves oh okay but um they took that away because they said that they didn't want to pay for um like the insurance Oh. because they would need to like insure our vehicles basically gotcha. in case we got in an accident. Yeah. So we did ask them also for that at some point. We said, we make more money when we deliver, like we can do it. And they were like, well, no, it's uh, we can't get the insurance, whatever stuff yeah. figured out. Yeah. So that is a good idea though. Yeah. I, was I wish curious. I could go back to it. Well, the, the first thing that popped into my head was like, why wouldn't you guys, I don't know. Or one of you guys could have formed your own LLC, mm. you know? And yeah. then like said, Hey, just let me do all the delivery. <laughs> That's true. Like do like an independent contractor kind of thing. Yeah, totally. So, yeah. And then they wouldn't have to worry about the insurance on their cars. That's a good point. Then like you'd just have to have your own insurance. Kind of like what like DoorDash does or like what um, like Uber does. Yeah. Or like the actual Uber drivers responsible for providing their own car insurance. If I found out that there was a local company that was doing that, I would like, I'd try to use them more than I used Uber mm. or DoorDash. Yeah. Because I know where my money's going, you know? Yeah. And it, like I've heard Uber and Grubhub and DoorDash, like they don't pay their employees that well anyways. So yeah, it's kind of horrible. And I even like when I was looking into it, cause I was trying to like look for a way that like I could ask the DoorDashers, like when we're in the picket line, cause now we've been, you know, doing these pickets and trying to get people to, you know, kind of boycott and stuff. Just give them a hard time, so, put some so, pressure on them. So is that the goal is to boycott the, the, broadway location yeah our goal is to put yeah basically put pressure on them until they um give in to what we still want which is like our jobs back now like with um you know with like a little bit of a raise and we told them it could be temporary yeah under covid and that we were flexible on the amount of the raise yeah but um and just like that we actually have some kind of say in like these sort of policies, like the customers wearing masks, firearms, just things like that. Yeah. Where like if something's like relevant to our safety that we kind of actually do have a say in it. Well, like the mask thing, if every other company was doing that in Boise and mm-hmm. like Pie Hole was the only place not enforcing it, that seems a little ridiculous. Yeah. And it to be fair, it was before like the mask mandate whatever the mandate yeah but a lot of companies were still saying like tons of places were like hey please don't come in without a mask yeah you know just like to keep the employees safe and it did feel kind of sketchy sometimes like because there are people some people i you know just don't don't take it super seriously and some people take it incredibly seriously i mean i i still you know will go out to eat yeah here and there i just try to limit it or only hang out with people that i know are just my very close little circle of friends yep, yep. that i know just don't go to parties and things like that yeah but um for anyone listening we have i sanitized yeah. everything before <laughs> she came here we're wearing yeah. masks mm-hmm. so we're taking precautions we're social distance we he moved are. my chair back yep, yeah yep. We're more than six feet apart so. yeah we're doing really good <laughs> um yeah but it just like it's like, it, it, it's the kind of place where like when, you, when the food service, like you see so many people, Oh, a plastic screen. We wanted, Oh, we wanted a sneeze guard and they didn't too. put that in. Yeah. They didn't put it in. And they kept saying like, it'll be here. You know, uh, we're having difficulty ordering it. And then he said, Oh, but we figured it out and it'll be here in three days. It'll be here next week. It'll be here. And then it was just never yeah. there. And I don't know what the, the hangup is. I actually got a new job like now because it might be like, you know, two months or something before yeah. like the case is finished. Yep. And I work at a place that makes sneeze guards and like plastic signs. <laughs> no way. <laughs> yeah. Like locally they make it. Uh-huh. Yeah. yeah. 
yeah it's like it's called uh it's called image national i love this new job by the okay. way it's great give them a shout out yeah i you can yeah you should come work there they're they're hiring actually and they actually give healthcare so i've been super happy about them yeah but yeah we basically like they make like all the sneeze guards for like winco and wow they said they made like fifteen thousand sneeze guards Jeez, that's awesome yeah so yeah. i was like oh my god i'll just give one to pie hole so they can <laughs> finally just yeah, have one yeah. <laughs> um so, yeah. so my other question the other thing i was thinking about is I, I haven't worked in the restaurant industry for a long time, but my wife and I were having this discussion the mm. other day. The fact that they can pay less than minimum wage mm. with anticipated tips, I think that's the most ridiculous <laughs> yeah. law of yeah. all time. They can pay people like $3 an hour and say like, oh, but with tips, you'll make this. Yeah. And I know that if the tips don't add up to that, they have to make up the difference. They I think. do, yeah. yeah but they have to make up the difference to minimum that still seems yeah. so archaic and ridiculous. And I, I mean, we were talking about going to Europe. Mm-hmm. People don't tip in Europe. Yeah. Like maybe you'll tip five or 10%, but it's like expected now in America to tip 20%. Well, do you, if you want to know why it actually is, um, a kind of vestigial, uh, like a vestigial limb left over from slavery where basically they wanted to not be able to pay freed slaves an actual wage and then people could just tip them if they wanted to. Oh wow. So like that's, that's where it started. Like the tipping stuff started basically in the South with like freed slaves working as like hospitality workers. And then the, they, they like, they had to pay them something. Yeah. So they'd pay them like, you know, 25 cents an hour or something. And yeah. then they, people would like, Oh, tip them if they did, you know, whatever. Yeah. Yeah. And then it just has like stuck around in our society kind of ever since. And that's why Europe, obviously they, didn't have like slavery as recently as we did. So they just didn't have these kind of like leftover societal habits and things like that. Yeah. I don't know. I mean, it kind of depends on what region of Europe we're talking Mm -hmm. about, but still, I mean, I've been all over Europe Yeah, and there's, you're just not expected to tip Mm -hmm. like, I don't know. I think yeah. if you tip a little too much, they even look at you kind of weird. They're like, yeah. why are you giving us extra money? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. Like, do you, you want something? Like, yeah. <laughs> yeah. 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 I don't know. That's crazy. Um, well, it's kind of a bummer to hear that because I love pie hole. I hope you guys can resolve yeah. it. I love pie hole too. Like it was seriously, I loved working there. It's really bummed me out to see the you know the owners like act like this and act like we're trying to like we're trying to like destroy small businesses or something when it's like we didn't want to like destroy okay. our own jobs i got i gotta ask you about this thing. yeah so there was a quote i think from geo <laughs> in the press tribune article yeah do you know what i'm talking about <laughs> the anti-capitalist yeah one? he said these are just anti-capitalist kids trying to destroy small business <laughs> so. yeah we've been laughing about that so hard yeah um, so yeah. yeah that's obviously what his point of view is mm-hmm. and uh if somebody, so I'm a small business owner in Boise mm-hmm. too. And if somebody were trying to destroy my small business, I'd be a little pissed. But yeah, I mean, it doesn't seem like you're trying to destroy his business or you're anti-capitalist, especially if you're negotiating wages. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, we, we live in capitalism. So it's like, you can't really, if you want to be like, if you want to truly be anti-capitalist, in my mind, and not participate in capitalism, you'd have to go live in the woods, right? Yeah, That's yeah, how yeah. I feel. Yeah. And I do consider myself a socialist, right? But I don't consider myself anti-small business at all. Yeah. Like, in my mind, small business owners are not, like, the people that are actually, like, screwing people over, yeah. you know, unless they do something like this that's, like, actually illegal, you yeah. know? For the most part, small business owners are just, like, 
people in our community who um they still a lot of their stuff like is still owned by the bank too or you know what i mean it's not like you know it's not this i would never i i am like the least you know anti-small business person i think if anything there should be ways for more people to be able to start their own small businesses yeah so you're not necessarily you're not anti-capitalist so you call yourself a socialist Mm -hmm. But you're more so anti like giant corporation. Yeah, 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 okay. yeah, exactly. Okay. Like, like we'll say, you know, it, 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 as a socialist, I understand like, you know, the the ruling class to be like the people that are actually screwing me over, and the small business owners are not the ruling class. Yeah, you yeah, know, yeah, like it's it's uh, the proletariat and the bourgeoisie. Yeah, there yeah. we go. Exactly, yeah. and even like throughout history, like we'll say like the. I, I would not even consider like a, a small business owner to be like petite bourgeoisie, really, uh, for the most part. Like even Russ, he didn't own, he doesn't own Pie Hole. Like he's renting that, that like downtown space yeah. from the person that owns that building, who's yeah. far wealthier than him as a small business owner. Yeah. You know what I mean? Yeah. And why would we want to destroy our own livelihoods? Like that, we put like our blood, sweat, and tears into that place and really cared about it, like doing well, because then we would do well. Totally. Yeah. 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 I, uh, I'm, so I think you and I share similar points of view. I would never call myself a socialist. That's okay. But I am, I'm pro government that works. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And like, there's some, obviously, like in my opinion, I think there's some government programs that do not work. But there's yeah. obviously some government programs that are essential that we cannot live without. Mm-hmm. So, like, I don't think I'm, you know, people throw around the word libertarian. Mm. I just think I'm anti-government when it's really stupid. Yeah. No. And, <laughs> and I mean, to be fair, like, I am also super anti-government when it's really stupid. And, like, a lot of the time, our government is, like, really stupid. Yeah. You know? <laughs> you strike me. Okay. So, I know I'm not supposed to judge people. On no, no. Yeah. Or anything. You strike me as, like, a anarchist punk rocker chick <laughs> so and you yeah, said sure. you, you play the bass guitar mm-hmm. Are, yeah you're in a band yeah mm-hmm. um what what band so okay that's a, a little bit complicated so i was in a band very recently called king and queen of the losers okay. with my husband but now my husband and i are separated like pretty recently okay so i've that music project is ended for now but i hopefully will be coming out with new music project stuff under my own name or something okay. like that. Cool. Yeah. Cool. Yeah. And, but I would not say I'm an anarchist either, by the way. Um, <laughs> no, I definitely, I'm just saying, I'm just saying no, no, like, no, I know Yeah, it's fine. You can judge a book by its cover sometimes. It's hey, okay. people judge me all the time. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Fair enough. Yeah. Yeah. You look like someone that is like a CrossFit, uh, coach or something. I am a CrossFit coach. Are you actually? Yeah. And I played football in college oh my god so people see me and they're like they think yeah. i'm like the jock type mm. but you know i don't like it when people just judge me like that i like having deep conversations and yeah yeah so well and that made honestly that made me really like when you're talking about like being like you know the being at the athletic director or something or you were or something with the athletic i don't, I don't know the, oh, a, the athletic with, department at boise state okay what about them I, when you first met me and talked to me at the picket, you were saying something about like how you worked with the athletic department at Boise State or something. So I'm a member of Varsity B, mm. which is like former student athletes. And then I also do some stuff with Boise State. I'm trying to push mental health for them. Okay. Um, and then I there is kind of a, there's kind of a gap with the players transitioning into real life after football. Mm. 
And it's almost like, I mean, I don't know if you know any guys that played football at BSU. I don't. Well, um, I, I know you. Or, or, or former <laughs> athletes. Yeah. So like everything's so regimented when you play football um, and other sports at BSU. And, you know, you're in this constant high stress environment and you're, you're around a lot of testosterone. And it's almost like you're kind of in the military yeah. or you're on the police force or a fire department. And then when you're done, they kind of throw you to the wolves mm. and you don't really know what to do when you're done playing football. And so I'm trying to push for, you know, more of a transition thing for the guys because I struggled a lot when I, when I finished playing. Um, and I, I want to push that and help the other guys so they don't struggle like I did. That's awesome. I, I've always, yeah, felt like that. Like when someone, when their athletic career ends, it's very difficult. Like even you lose your sense of self. Yeah. 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 My, even like my husband, he, you know, um, he played like baseball very, very seriously in high school. And then he got kind of injured and was unable to really like carry that forward, even though his whole life plan had been to like play baseball in college and all this stuff. And when that ended all of a sudden, it was like, that was all the stuff he did. Yeah. You kind of have to take a step back and, and reevaluate your life and, and think, okay, that's not the goal anymore is to be the best football player. Like, what is my goal in life now? And so you have to realign and reassess and figure out what you want to do. And it's hard. It's really difficult. Yeah, Yeah, that's really, I really like that you, you know, are thinking about it in terms of that and that you're working to help people out like that. Yeah, yeah. I think, you know, with professional athletes too, it's like... Totally. I mean, there's a lot of guys that have committed suicide. Yeah. Yeah, so... It's true, yeah, there's... oh yeah. I feel like there's horrible mental health problems with like, you know, former athletes. Yeah. Yeah. So I think, um, getting rid of the stigma, like a lot of guys just don't want to talk about it. Mm -hmm. And so I'm, you know, I'm trying to be open about it and make other guys know that it's okay to talk about it. So, yeah, that is really cool. Yeah. So I'm trying hard. See, you, you don't sound like a typical libertarian either. (laughs) (laughs) See, I don't think I'm, I don't like the word libertarian either because people have twisted that into being something different. Like I, in my opinion, I'm totally cool with paying taxes as long as I know what those taxes are going to. Mm-hmm. I don't believe in staying in Afghanistan for 20 years. Mm-hmm. I want us to get the hell out of Af- Afghanistan so my tax dollars don't go towards that. Um, I think we should reinvest in schools. I think they should help out teachers. I think they should maybe train the police a little bit better. Yeah. Um, if my tax dollars were going towards that stuff and I knew exactly where it was going towards, I'd be totally cool. Um, I think if you're like a pure libertarian, you just say like no government works. <laughs> yeah. But like the post office is pretty rad. Yeah. Because mm-hmm. I can send a letter and it gets to Seattle in like less than a day. <laughs> you know? <laughs> yeah. So, yeah. Um, no, and I, I feel exactly the same way. I yeah. think it does really bother me to have to pay taxes. And yeah, it goes to like a ton of these overseas conflicts that I have like actually no say in. I feel like, like to me... What, what matters is like in a society is like people being able to actually like actual democracy, you know, like democracy in the workplace, for example, yeah. or democracy and like where your taxes go to, like being able to actually have a voice, yeah. you know, yeah, um, that's important to me. So yeah. yeah. And maybe I think also the word similarly to like the word libertarian, the word socialism doesn't mean anything anymore. Yeah. Like people, yeah, will think of, I don't know. They think of all kinds of things. I, Tons of people call themselves socialists and then I like get to meet them and I'm like, oh, okay. So, so and I think there's a difference between like socialist, like pure socialism and then like 
social programs too. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And so like, you know, you say socialism and people immediately are like, Oh, you want to turn America into Venezuela? And it's like, <laughs> yeah. it's like, no, but like if a dude who doesn't have health insurance breaks his arm, maybe yeah. the, maybe somebody should be able to help him out to get yeah. his, arm, his arm fixed. Yeah, it's true. Like, yeah, I think that like that, I would support Medicare for all and that it's it. And that is like undeniably like a more socialistic policy and that it's like a redistribution for the greater good or something, let's say. But yeah. And then people do kind of just jump to, yeah. People will say like, communism killed a hundred million billion people or something. It's like, how, why are we talking about this now? Like I just want people to have healthcare, dude. People (laughs) immediately jump to the, like extreme. And so yeah. the, the same thing with libertarianism. Yeah. <laughs> like like if you say to someone like, oh, I'm, you know, I have libertarian ideals and they're like, well, who's going to make the roads? <laughs> like who's going to maintain the highways? And it's like, whoa, no, I'm not yeah, yeah, not yeah. exactly like that. I just I got you, yeah. don't want our troops in Afghanistan anymore. Yeah. Like, <laughs> that's, I mean, yeah, that's actually a really good point. Like the, the libertarian party like did used to be just like so good on being like anti-war, like um you know like anti you know uh anti-drug war also stuff like that and yeah now it's like kind of just some some loons yeah you know i uh i'm so pro legalizing drugs as well Mm. and i think like most people meet me and they probably don't think that you know (laughs) um and then obviously like pro civil rights Mm -hmm. like why would you ever want to like trample on someone's ability to do whatever the hell mm-hmm. they want. Like, yeah. I think that's the beauty of America is like the idea of it is you can come here and you can start a business no matter who you are, no matter what you look like, no matter what you think you get the same opportunity as anyone else. Yeah. Yeah, so, absolutely. Yeah. And I think, and I certainly, I, I would say like consider myself a libertarian for uh, quite a long time. Yeah. Also before I sort of like determined that there's a, you know, there's a way to, like in the situation where everybody actually has a say, you know what I mean? Like actual freedom to do what they want and to uh, actually have a voice like in their government, you know, where like, I feel like I don't actually get a say, you know, it's like, Oh, I get to vote for Trump or Hillary. Like, cool dude like you know. <laughs> like that's it yeah. yeah you're free to do it you're free to vote yeah. whoever you want except as long as they're in one of these yeah exactly yeah. it's just this like illusion of choice and it's like this isn't re- you know i want like and yeah like an actual an actual you know actual freedom an actual yeah. democracy people being able to live their life how they want to yeah and once i kind of realize that like that is kind of you know what a lot of these like first you know like what there's all these, a lot of these first socialist thinkers thought like that before it sort of got like degenerated and perverted into some sort of you know this venezuela stalin whatever garbage yeah. you know so, so i my wife and i went to the birthplace of karl marx very cool when we were in germany and it's a town called trier and it like if anybody's ever going to germany go to trier because it's like there's tons of Roman ruins and there's a Roman amphitheater and like these old Roman baths that are super well preserved. But while we were, while we were there, we found out that Marx was born there. And so we went to the Karl Marx museum and it's like you go through and you read all of his ideas. And if you were, if you just read the text, you'd be like, Oh yeah, totally. That makes sense. But yeah, I think it's gotten to the point where it's been so twisted Mm -hmm. um, and people, you know, they try to implement Marxism in certain places and maybe it's not pure Marxism. Mm -hmm. And that's why all these communist states have failed. Yeah. You know, but um, I mean, it's always, I feel like that struggle is always going to be there between the elite and then the rest of us. Yeah. Like 
I, yeah. even in America right now. Totally. And that also like, you know, predates Marx even like the struggle, like the, between like the peasants and the feudal lords, you yep. know, like then there'd be like a peasant rebellion, you know, like, <laughs> so, so, so it's always happened, yeah. you know? So I've recently gotten super into Roman history. Cool. Cool. Um, and literally everything in Rome was built by slaves. <laughs> yeah. Like every single Roman ruin we yeah. went to uh, when we were in like Croatia and Bosnia and stuff, it's it was all built by slaves. And so when you start to dig into it a little bit, it's like, holy crap, like we only learn about, you know, the, the ruling class. Mm-hmm. You don't really hear about the slaves too much. And then you start digging into some of the texts and, you know, you can learn about how Diocletian had three slaves and they even like know what their names were and stuff, <laughs> you know? But like, if you think about how the Colosseum was built yeah. 2000 years ago, obviously they needed a lot of labor. Yeah. To people are like, that. Oh wow. That's amazing. How did they do that? <laughs> yeah, it's not like they could unionize and like, yeah. fight for fair wages. Yeah. They're just getting paid yeah. in like wine and figs. Yeah. Like yeah. they'd be like, you get some wheat. Too. Yeah. 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 yeah, yeah. Um, exactly. See, and I, I think it's cool that like, like I, one of the goals of my podcast too is to maybe have someone like people come on who maybe have different ideas than mm-hmm. me. But I, you know, I pitched this idea to my buddy, um, who's a little bit more conservative, mm-hmm. and um, you know, he was an army veteran and all this stuff, and he kind of disagreed with it. But I still think that there's something there. Like I think the progressives and the libertarians have so much more in common than they think. Uh, yeah, I agree. And mm-hmm. they just like to demonize each other. But it's like. So one of the things we're talking about, ruling class, mm-hmm. I think one of the first steps that everybody in America could, could agree upon is term limits for Congress. Yeah, yeah. And every, I, I don't think there's one person mm-hmm. in America that would say, that's a terrible idea. Yeah. Like, everyone thinks that's a great idea. Or like or like that Congress gets to pick how much Congress gets paid. Yeah, totally. Like, what? Yeah, that, <laughs> that makes absolutely zero sense. Like, man, I wish I had that. I wish I had a job where I, just, I, I, I get to pick how much I make. Like, that sounds tight. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, so there's, and I looked into it a little bit too because my buddy who was telling me about that, he said it's Article 5 in the Constitution and it's called a Convention of the States. And so instead of an amendment to the Constitution having to go through Congress, the states themselves can get together and vote. Oh yeah, sure. And they just need a majority of states to agree on it. And I truly do not understand how that hasn't happened yet. (laughs) Yeah, we like, and how did I not know about that too? Also, I know that's yeah, what like, I'm saying is like, maybe if I start to tell people and people listen to it, maybe yeah. we can actually get that done. Okay. Hold on. So it's article five. I believe it's article five okay. of the constitution and okay. it's called a convention of the states. I'm going to look into, yeah, convention of the states. I'm and they see. need a, a two, two thirds majority. So I think it's 34 states have to be, have to vote on it. Okay. Interesting. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I feel like I, and, and also, like, I love the American Revolution. Like, yeah. it's just something that I think, like, kind of kicked ass, you know? Yeah, like, yeah, yeah. It, like, even, you know, it's just, like, it's also, I think a lot of those, that sort of, like, those attitudes um, are something that maybe not, like I, I will sort of distance myself from like the the title like of progressive, let's say, because I'll think of that as more of like the AOC type of thing, which uh-huh. is a little bit too maybe like of the like liberal stuff, yeah. you know? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I know, um, I know what you're talking. You know about. what I mean? Yep. But when I really do feel like I agree with like a lot of the libertarian stuff about the love for like the don't tread on me, yeah. like attitudes of the American revolution. Okay. So I got to tell you this. Okay. Let's so hear. I know you were talking about guns and like, yeah. I'm, I'm fairly pro gun. Mm-hmm. Like my wife and I like going out and shooting and yeah. stuff. And mm-hmm. I 
people should be able to hunt and all those things. Um, so this is my favorite quote mm-hmm. that like is a, like a quote unquote libertarian quote. Um, I want to be able to marry whoever I want to marry and protect my marijuana crops with my AR-15. <laughs> yeah, like there we go. <laughs> yeah, that's like, yeah. that doesn't seem unreasonable to me. Yeah, and yeah, I agree also. And I think that, that that's like the big distinction maybe, like why, I don't know, like because I... I am pro gun myself in that. Yeah. I like to go out and shoot. And I, I do think that there should be, you know, people should be safe with them and there's like reasonable ways to be reasonable. Right? I, I think the one thing, like when you go and purchase a gun, maybe you should have passed like a firearm safety course. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I don't think that that's unreasonable either. Yeah. I think that's super reasonable. Yep. I totally do. Um, yeah. If I have, if I like, for example, know that one of my friends like it has a gun and like doesn't really know how to use it. I'm like, okay, you know, I'm not going shooting with them. <laughs> yeah, exactly. So <laughs> yeah. it's like a driver's license. You know, it's like you have to drive a car. You can kill people with a car by, you know, totally. but, um, yeah. but I think that's like a big distinction is that like, I really don't like how, um, people who like be like progressive or more liberal minded tend to be super like gun control or like, well, you know, you're talking about Karl Marx. Karl Marx was like very pro gun. He yeah. said we should arm the whole proletariat. You know? <laughs> I think I yeah. I think that that notion of you know the founding fathers saying that the government should be afraid of their people. Mm-hmm. I don't think it's like that anymore. Yeah, exactly. I think people are very afraid of the government. Yeah, yeah, which yeah. isn't cool. Yeah, exactly. I think that I think the founding fathers would be a little bit you know disappointed and that they would probably see an ipad and their brains would explode but also like (laughs) they they would just be like you know what what happened like yeah you guys are supposed to like update stuff if it's not working and clearly you know some stuff isn't working that's what i that's what i wonder too is like what would the founding fathers think about the internet Mm, yeah because obviously (laughs) the internet is huge yeah and i still have conflicting um, thoughts about like what should be protected, what shouldn't be protected. Mm-hmm. Like, I mean, I know, do you go on Reddit? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Okay. So I'm pretty active on Reddit. Like I follow a bunch of different stuff. Sure. Sure. And, what are your favorite subreddits? Oh my gosh. Uh, I like the Lego subreddit. Cool. Um, I like the NFL subreddit. I follow the Boise subreddit. Yeah. Mm-hmm. CrossFit subreddit. Okay. Um, cool. I'm trying to think what else. Star Wars. Yeah. Okay. Cool. Uh, Do you yeah. like Star Wars? Oh yeah, I love Very Star cool. Wars. I have Star I like Wars. Star Wars too. Star Wars Lego sitting right over there. Oh yeah, that, <laughs> that makes. Oh my gosh, that's right there. Lego and Star Wars. Yep, it's the perfect that's, combination. There you go. NFL. Yeah, <laughs> football <laughs> but, stuff. Yeah, perfect. So I know that the old CEO. I think her name was Ellen Powell. She, yeah. They caught either her or like somebody who was working at Reddit actively changing posts. So like somebody would go in and post, and then. Reddit would come in and change it and like change it to what they wanted it to say. <gasps> and there were a lot of examples of that happening. Horrible. And, and so in my mind, it's like, okay, is that a violation of the first amendment or because it's a privately owned business? Yeah. Can they go do whatever they want? So like at what point, you know, is Twitter a public mm. forum? Yeah. And should you be able to say whatever the heck you want on it? Or like at what point do they start? Yeah. I always, because, because, 
I think that those like, you know, uh, companies like Twitter and Reddit, they want to have their cake and eat it too, where they want to be treated like a public forum, but they also want to be like, they want to look a lot better than that. Like, like Twitter wants like the legal benefits of being a public forum and not a publisher. But also like if anybody could literally say anything on Twitter, then people, they would just be like inundated with people just like posting probably like hardcore pornography and yeah. like horrible like the n-word or something yeah, yeah, <laughs> just yeah, like yeah. all the totally. time just like garbage you know yeah and um but it so so like when you dial all that back and i think there's some stuff that people can agree upon like yeah n-word probably shouldn't put yeah. it on reddit um nude pictures probably shouldn't put it on reddit or like put it in the nsfw tab you know what i mean we'll go to the yeah yeah and i know i've heard that they're they've proposed like a wild west twitter and then <laughs> sure, like <yeah>. a super <laughs> manipulated twitter but yeah that that is interesting to me. It's like at what point, at what point is it so big and so many people use it that it is like part of everyday life and your speech? Yeah. Um, so that's what I, I mean, that's a thought experiment I do about the founding fathers. If they were to see it, what would they think about it? Yeah. Would they think of, yeah, like social media as a public forum or as the companies being private yeah. publisher companies? Yeah. It's the same, it's yeah. the same argument as the, um, the cake makers and the gay couple did you Mm. ever hear about that yeah yeah so like i thought back and forth i was like are they violating their civil rights or can the private business do whatever the hell they want like i i don't know i mean i know that they i think they ruled on it and i don't remember what the ruling was i don't either i feel bad now yeah i feel bad because they kind of yeah was paying attention to that a little bit i think but But that's a hard thought experiment because they're not I mean, they're, they're, if you put up, we have the right to refuse service to anyone. And I've seen that sign yeah. in stores. Does a business really, you know? Yeah. And like, if from like, from as far as I've like known from a legal standpoint, it's like, they just have to, at least once that discrimination law is passed. Yeah. They just almost have to kind of pretend it's for a different reason. You know what I mean? Like, so, so yeah. So I, very interesting point. And this is going to throw a wrench, <laughs> throw a wrench in yeah. everything. So the private business owners are, let's say they're Catholic. Yeah. So they have their First Amendment religious protections. Yes, yeah. And then the other people have their, the gay couple, they have their civil rights protections. So it's like, which one? You, you know, know. Isn't that an interesting conversation? That is, that is a very interesting conversation. Yeah. And... And yeah, that, and I also really do care about, yeah, being able to uphold people's, yeah, right to practice their religion however they want. Yeah. But then it's like, when that, when that starts like infringing on other people's rights, like if someone's like, I started a church and the church is that I can punch people in the face. And that's, (laughs) (laughs) it's called the, I get to punch people in the face church of Christ. As soon as your religion starts infringing (laughs) on other people's rights. Like that's, I've heard that. I've heard people make that argument about like Islam and you know, Mm -hmm. obviously in America people have politicized Islam Mm -hmm. and they think every person who practices Islam is an extremist, which is far from the truth. Yeah. You know. Um, yeah, I think it's yeah, it's just kind of like like any more conservative religion where there's just kind of a variety of like orthodoxies and it just depends. Yeah. And then it's oh yeah, the whole the, just the geopolitical climate also. It's like the same thing it, with with Islam what it comes down to is like for me is it it's like it's like it, you would have to literally just put everything in a vacuum of like taking away that like America who like basically because we're like you know, the richest, most powerful country in the world. We're kind of like, 
you know, the Empire in Star Wars. And you and me are kind of like just stormtroopers. Like, yeah. just imagine us in like white stormtroopers. I like to think of myself as Han Solo, <laughs> but I'm not a stormtrooper. Okay, fine, fine. <laughs> I'll, fight, I'll fight the state. I'll fight the Empire. Okay, well, yeah, well, well, yeah because we're, we're kind of more, you know, a freedom-minded. So yeah, we're yeah. more like rebels then, you yeah, know. Yeah. We're, we're like the rebel army. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Well, I, get, yeah. I mean, you go into another country and yeah. you don't know anything. Like, if you're a person who lives in a country and then mm-hmm. all of a sudden all these military guys are there. Like I understand why yeah. people have animosity towards the United States. I get it. I totally get it. Um, but like, yeah, it's complicated. Yeah. If you're a religious, a religious extremist, no matter what religion it is, because obviously yeah. there's, you know, Christian extremists too. As soon as what they believe starts to infringe on other people's rights, that's where the cutoff is. Yeah. 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 And so I, and similarly to like, you know, I think that probably the gay couple should have gotten a cake, you know, and, uh, I just can't believe that that ever got to the Supreme Court. Yeah. But like at the same point too, and I'm not, I'm not saying I side with one way or the other. I'm saying it's a, it's a tough thought experiment for me, Yeah, but it's like, couldn't the gay couple just like go to a different store? It's true. And, and, (laughs) and honestly, like, and it does sound kind of harsh also, but like, I, I also care about like, yeah, precedent being set. Yeah, you know? that's true. That's very true. Like that someone can just be like, no, you have to do this for me. Yeah, you know? Yeah, yeah. you can like, demand a store to do whatever you want. For yeah, you. yeah, yeah. I don't like, I also, I, I totally understand like that that can be a dangerous precedent. Yeah. So even if it kind of sucks and it's like, okay, yeah, they're being homophobic or whatever and it's harsh, but. That, that yeah. cake better have tasted delicious. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> it better have been a good cake. Was, um, it, was this worth it? Yeah, seriously. Yeah. Um, absolutely yeah okay so what kind of music do you play in your band or did you guys play okay so um i also played the the keyboard also and it's kind of it was kind of like you know male female um like dual lead singer stuff okay so it kind of was like a variety of like it was pretty eclectic genre wise but we ended up sort of falling into like a post rock um sort of area where some stuff would be like a little more you know, synth based and like, you know, progressive rock sort of stuff. Yeah. Like, um, can you give an example of maybe what it would sound like? Sure. Like if you've the band group love, um, okay. Or like, <laughs> it's hard to think of an example. Um, okay. because it's like, yeah, it's very much like, or like parquet courts. That's like a post punk band. Okay. Like there's like a kind of like scenes in music, like movements in music right now that are big or like the post rock and post punk scenes yeah, yeah, because I think just like the actual pure punk rock stuff is a little bit too, I don't know, just not pretty sounding enough for yeah, me. Yeah. And then the rock and roll stuff can be a little bit repetitive yeah. for me. So like a lot of it just is actually more almost I'm, I'm, I'm inspired often by like eighties music so I can get like a little bit synthy with yeah. it. Um, and you know, a lot of my inspirations are like a few bands like like Tokyo Police Club, Wolf Parade. These are almost like it, stuff from the indie movement okay. in the nineties, or like Spoon. Okay, yeah, they did yeah. that. Yeah, like they did that song that's like the underdog. You know. Yeah, yeah. Um, so stuff like that, like like nineties and two thousands indie that turned into changing the rock and punk movements into a post punk post rock. Okay. Does that make sense? Yeah, yeah. Okay. So I'm. You're probably not going to like the kind of music that I listen That's, to. I have a very, you know, wide ranging taste in music. So I am so into pop punk. You like pop punk? I am obsessed with pop That's punk. Funny. 
People call our band pop punk a lot. Oh, really? Yeah. So have you ever heard of the band Four Years Strong? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Okay. So their their first studio album. So they had like an EP thing that they put out. Their first studio album had synth on it. And it was so rad. It was so freaking cool. And I think their second studio album had it too. And then they fired the guy that was on synth. Oh, okay. So they were a four-piece band. And then they had a guy that was on synth. And he would also scream too, like at the concert. Got you, yeah. And I, dude, I saw them like three times in concert in Boise. <laughs> and it was the most fun. Um, That's cool. But it was cool that they integrated. It was like super upbeat lyrics but very heavy yeah and then they'd like throw the synth in and it was i thought it was very unique i love that kind of music yeah yeah there's a a lot of i think like um the pop punk stuff almost like turned into this like combination of like really fun interesting metal at the same time where it wasn't yeah like uh with that kind of you know the screamo but but it wasn't quite screamo it was like way more melodic do you like Sum 41? Yeah. Mm-hmm. So Sum 41, I didn't realize how influenced they were yeah. by like metal bands. Oh, totally. And yeah. they have insane metal riffs. Mm-hmm. And until I watched a documentary about them, I didn't really understand. Like I loved the music, but yeah. then I started like actually listening to the guitar and it's like, holy crap. I don't you, know. Have you ever seen um, uh, like a, rec- a recent picture of the lead singer of Sum 41? He like turned into like some kind of pumpkin or something. Oh like God. I just feel so bad for him. Like he used to be like really cute and all those like music videos and yeah. stuff. He just like got really it's like bloated or something. Oh. You know how some people just like get older and they go bleh. Yeah. He just looks so horrible now. I'm like, oh no. Oh, no. <laughs> well, he's probably partying too much, right? Yeah, On the road be. too much or something. Yeah, maybe like his liver or something didn't like <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. You know? Did you uh, yeah. did you ever listen to the band Gob? Mm-mm, no. So they were a Canadian punk band, and I think they broke up because now one of their guitarists is in Sum Forty One. Oh, okay. Yeah. Um, and they have a very, a very popular song. It was popular like when I was in middle school. Um, and I'm a little bit older than you, but you might recognize mm-hmm. the song. I forget what it's called, but I'll share it with you afterwards. Okay. Um, but yeah, I I don't know. I run a CrossFit gym, so we like yeah. have to come up with fun music for people yeah, to listen to. Yeah, totally. Yeah. Yeah. And stuff that has good beats that doesn't like slow down too much or yeah. if it's too fast, it sucks, you know, so it's got to, you got to find the right medium. Yeah. My, my husband, he's my scooter, who, my husband who I'm separated from, but he, um, he like grew up just pop punk was like absolutely what informed his yeah. like songwriting, like his favorite bands, like Green Day, Blink-182, oh, yeah. Sum 41, like that's like totally what you know he obviously and he built off of that like he also like loves like um like john lennon and the beatles and stuff so it's almost like sort of his songwriting style sort of a combination of like really fun catchy pop punk stuff but with like sort of more you know fun spacey yeah yeah like 60s hippie music you know (laughs) that's awesome yeah do you like blink um not so much i like other pop punk bands but tom delong's voice just kind of doesn't do it for me. You know his, what I mean? His old voice or his new voice? <laughs> <laughs> okay, the, the I feel old like one. He, yeah, he like <laughs> angels and airwaves. He kind of yeah. changed. That's true. Angels and airwaves is, I'd say, like a lot more like pleasant for me to listen to. But yeah. and and uh, honestly, I it is really fun for me to listen to Blink One Eight Two. But like, I never like actually got into like a phase of really listening to them. Yeah. Other than like, I know the songs obviously that everyone knows. But other pop punk bands, like my pop punk phase, was more maybe because I'm like a little bit younger was that kind of like, um, Mayday Parade, all time low, the used, oh, yeah. um, say anything like that kind of Dude, stuff. Say, <laughs> say anything. Yeah. Is a real boy. Yeah. Oh my gosh. Might yeah. be my favorite album. Of all Seriously. Time. Yes. It, yes. It, that is. Yeah. A very important album. Yeah. For, yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. That for me. It, it's like, 
See, I, you thought I would hate your music. <laughs> I heard a story about the lead singer. Like, I know that guy had a ton of issues. Yeah. And he checked into rehab. I don't even know what his name is. Um, but what I heard was he came up with Say Anything as kind of a joke to, like, make fun of that genre of music. And he like put out an album and everyone was like, oh my God, it like went platinum and stuff. And so he's like, okay, I got to continue to do this. Um, that's but that, so good. Yeah. There's a, I didn't know that. I didn't hear that story yet. And I don't know if that's true or not. I think maybe one of my buddies told me that. So okay. I don't hold me to it. I don't know if that's true. If, but, if that's not true, I'm going to be so pissed at you, Spencer. You'd <laughs> <laughs> be so mad. Um, yeah. I got it. I'm trying to think of some of the songs on that album, but yeah, it's, who's kind of, it's been a minute since I've, but that certainly, yeah, is real boys like the album that, cause that was like, you know, it would always come up like on like, you know, before Spotify or whatever, like on like Pandora radio or yeah. like the first things that would like the first music algorithms yeah. that were out there. Yeah. I would like put in the, you know, the songs that I liked and it would just start playing other like, you know, pop punk type music. And that's how you find out about like new bands. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah. It was amazing. The invention of the music algorithm, it was like life changing. Shout out to Pandora because their their algorithm was awesome. I thought it was great. Yeah. I think Spotify sucks. Yes. Spotify is way worse. Yeah. It's like, there's not enough new stuff. Like I've, I've discovered a couple new bands from Mm -hmm. it, but it's true. It'll give me like the same stuff. Over, like like on the the radio or whatever like yeah. for a song that i'll put on like i'll put on a song that's like a totally different it, in my mind like a totally different genre yeah but like it must know that i've like listened to whatever song before so it'll just like put it on again yeah, i'll put yeah, like yeah. neutral milk hotel on every <laughs> single one of my mixes it's yeah. like oh you obviously want to listen to in the airplane over the sea every single day yeah, and it's yeah. like, okay come on <laughs> yeah. that's how yeah songs tend to get less special the more you listen to them. Yeah. And like, if I find a song that I love, I'll like, I'll put it in my pocket and I'll say like, I'm only busting that out when it's like nice. And I'm in the backyard drinking <laughs> a beer, you know? Yeah. Um, and then if it plays too much, I'm like, all right, I, I don't like this as much yeah. anymore. You know? That's true. I like, I lost my like dongle for my phone. You know, like the thing that turns like the, t- you know, the aux cord to the, like, oh. you know, universal plugging. Cause there's no headphone yeah. jacks anymore or whatever. On the iPhones. Yeah. Um, yeah. Yeah. So I like could only listen to like CDs in my car. And so like this album that I love, but like it was the only CD I had. Yeah. And after I heard it like, you know, four times I was like, okay, I just got to stop. I'm yeah. going to not like this album anymore. Yeah. If I keep listening to it over and over again. Yeah. Yeah. So I just, you know, kind of, you know, uh, bit the bullet and got a new dongle. So, yeah. so I, fine. uh, for Christmas, I think it was either Christmas or her birthday, I got my wife every single Blink-182 album. Very nice. Because she doesn't have like a plug-in for her car. Mm, yeah. I mean, she has one of those radio things, but she has a six-disc changer. And oh, she, yeah. And she knows every lyric to every Blink song. Now, like <laughs> memorized everything. That's great. Yeah, yeah. It's pretty funny. That's awesome. Yeah. Yeah. See, I, 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 have, a very, I have a very wide-ranging taste in music, but it's also very weird at times like i'll go th- I, I'll, I'll have moods where i'm like oh my gosh i'm gonna go back and listen to like all time low again you know or whatever not a bad decision <laughs> yeah at all. i'll be like it's time for remembering sunday after you know 12 years yeah. it's gonna go back to the song oh my gosh um, you just said sunday okay t- yeah. you like taking back sunday yeah mm-hmm. Do you, yeah okay. yeah so yeah. was your lyric style kind of like theirs how they go back and forth um so, you know sometimes uh actually not not really okay. um, now that I think about it we've some songs will be like duets and it's more like either I will sing like if I wrote the song then I'm singing okay 
or if Scooter wrote the song, he's singing. Gotcha. And then we'll be doing, we'll do backup vocals for each other. Okay. And then occasionally we actually, there is usually, we try to do at least one song on the album where we go back and forth kind of like that. Gotcha. So, but it's not like a thing that we do all the time. And it's more, I would say like harmony focused. Okay. Almost like the Beatles, right? Where it's like you'd be singing and then all of a sudden they break into like a, you know, harmony. When when you say that, I think of the Eagles. <laughs> I don't know if you do you like the yeah, Eagles. Yeah, sure. Yeah, yeah. The Eagles. Yeah. That's a classic Hotel California. Yeah. Uh, I know Desperado. That they really prided themselves in like how they harmonize together. Yeah, yeah. Well, I like started singing because I like very seriously because I like took um, these jazz choir classes and that's like where I like really learned to play the piano also. Yeah, like and read music like chord charts that yeah. are good for like useful for a band and not just like sheet music. Like, yeah. You know, so like being able to like sing harmonies with people is always, and I'm like, a, am very authoritarian in that regard. When I'm like practicing with my band with the harmonies, I'm like, do it again. It was off, <laughs> you know? Yeah. That's awesome. Yeah. <laughs> well, you gotta, if you chase perfection, you can yeah. catch greatness. Exactly. So, yeah. I like that. Oh yeah. That's yeah. a great quote. That's what I, that's how I talk about my lawn. <laughs> <laughs> I try to, I try to have the perfect lawn and it's not quite perfect, but it's pretty great. Uh, my parents um, recently got like a a lawn mowing robot. Oh my God, no way. Yeah, it's like a Roomba, but it like mows the lawn <laughs> I, because my dad like hates mowing the lawn. Oh man, your dad yeah. and I would not get along. Yeah, I, it's weird, right? Like I love mowing my lawn. I know a lot of, yeah, <laughs> I, I know a lot of men that it's just a part of their like rituals. Yeah. Like, it's kind of, yeah, you're outside, you're working out, but my dad's kind of more like an indoor He's an indoor cat, you know. Yeah, like, yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> so um, he just got a robot. He's like, well, yeah. <laughs> that's awesome. <laughs> um, so I was going to ask you. You said through your pie hole career, mm-hmm. you, you were in school. Yeah. Well, mm-hmm. What did you study? So I, I've kind of taken my sweet time with school. Um, as a lot of people do. As a lot of people do. Yeah. So I am a junior at Boise State right now um, doing an English rhetoric oh, degree cool. because I decided I want to go to law school, actually. Cool. Um, yeah, so I'm taking LSAT next semester. No way. Yeah. Congratulations. Thank you. Study hard. I, I will. I heard I get pretty I get pretty good goddamn grades. So. Nice. Good. Yeah. Awesome. I, I was back looking at my transcript today because I'm I'm kicking around the idea of going back to school. Very cool. But my like first couple semesters, it was like C's and B's. Mm-hmm. And then it took me a while and then I was like, all right, I got to kick it into gear. And then it was A's and then rarely a B yeah. for a while. That's basically how I'm doing. I did have one rough semester where I just like, yeah, I, I had to take statistics and I like... Stats sucks. It sucks, dude. It sucks so hard. Oh my gosh, I did not <laughs> like it. Yeah. I'm not like horrible at math, I thought, you know, like... And they let me like... They, the big mistake was they let me use my ACT scores oh. like to test in. And so like I took the ACT, you know, at like 17. And yeah. then I took a break from school for a couple of years. And yeah. they, within five years, you can use your ACT scores. So like... Based on the fact that I was like studying really hard for the ACT at the time, yeah. I got like, you know, a 32 or whatever yeah. on the math section of the ACT. And they're, they're like, oh, you must be really good at math. And I like, <laughs> I haven't even done like, I couldn't even do like a basic multiplication anymore. And I was like, yeah, I'll just do that one. Yeah. And it was well, horrible. <laughs> stats isn't just doing math too. It's like interpreting the data. Yeah. And that's, to me, that's the hard part. I hate doing that stuff. Yeah, it's true. It's like pages of like reading to figure, you know. This, yeah. a study that you have to yeah and then and then like once our stats teacher because i took stats in grad school too mm. and he pointed out he's like okay 
you can literally take any data and make it say what you want. And so now, like, whenever I read any article ever, I'm like, okay, what did they control for? Like, yeah. what factors, what was the sample size? And, like, a lot of the times, if you're just reading a random article, they'll just throw out some stats and, like, make it sound mm. crazy. And it's like, well, hang on. I need to see, like, yeah. the rest of that, you know? That's true, yeah. But it's, I feel like college is cool because it teaches you to think analytically like that. So Yeah, and... And I made the mistake. I wish I had a good stats teacher also, but I took it like online. Oh, I was like, no I'll way. take it online. And so taking math online, it was just like so disastrous. I couldn't just like ask my teacher as I went like, oh, I don't really get this. Yeah. I had to watch like a YouTube video or something. That's hard. <laughs> that helped to relate. Yeah. So I'm, you know, taking classes next semester and Boise State is still doing all online. Oh, really? Or not, not uh, completely all online, but... Don't the, aren't some of the labs going to be yeah. on campus? Mm-hmm. Yeah. And they actually are. There are some classes that they're doing like what are, hybrid oh, where okay. it's going to be once a week, but they're trying to do it like that so that uh, the classes can be like small and social distance or whatever. Yeah. Um, but I'm staying out like in Eagle right now, which is like a good, you know, 30 minutes from campus. That's and a so, commute, yeah. Yeah. So I was like, you know what? I'll just pick all online classes and it's all like English stuff. Like, like, like my classes next semester are like argument and like technical communication. Oh, yeah. So I was like, I can do that online. That's fine. I took uh God, what was it? I think it was com one twelve, mm. and I think it was reasoned discourse Ooh. and it was like how to form an argument, yeah. how to defend your argument. It was really cool. Yeah. 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 I, my, I think, uh, yeah. Classes that are, gonna be similar at least like coming up or something and i, I look forward to them very much because yeah. that's what i'm into i like you know yeah. i like making arguments and totally i like reasoned discourse yeah so i uh you know when i was in college i i was always afraid to speak up and it was i don't know why i it's just like you get those people in your classes that have these super strong opinions and i always thought that they were like super smart you know <laughs> and then like looking back at it now it's like I don't think those people are smart. I think they just really liked to talk, you know? And it's like, why, sh- why should I devalue yeah. my opinion just because a dude likes to talk a lot, you know? Yeah. I think a lot of people are just kind of windbags, you know? Yeah. They just like to hear the sound of their own voice. Yeah. It does annoy me. Uh, you can't even have, say anything. Have you ever had a class in at BSU with like an older person? Oh, yes. And they like I have. answer every question? Yeah. I took a British literature survey last semester and I had these two older gentlemen in the class and yes, they really, really liked to talk. Yeah. Yeah. It's <laughs> like, wow, these guys have a lot of thoughts about John Keats poetry. Like, <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I, uh, one of my friends who's older, he's, oh, he's, I think he just turned 60. Um, he told me that he might be going to Boise State to take some classes. Mm. And I straight up told him, I was like, dude, do not be the guy that's like <laughs> in class when they're talking about Vietnam. And you're like, uh, actually, I was alive then. Like, <laughs> it's, I think it's so ridiculous when you have people like that. Yeah. Um, and they won't let the teacher like move on. You mm-hmm. know? Yeah. It's like, read the room. We all just want to get out of here yeah. as fast as possible. <laughs> but I also think about now like, I've, I've been removed from grad school now for six years. So I've had my gr- degree for six years. And if I went back now, I could almost see myself as being one of those people. Because <laughs> it's like I'd go sp- like take classes that I'm super interested in. Yeah. And I'd like want to ask more and like probe and stuff. Or I'd maybe just, you know, stay late after class. And it, it's I, I actually can be like a very talkative person in class. But I it's just like to fill like the really awkward silence if like the professor is asking a question, trying to prompt discussion, and then no one is talking. I hate that. I hate, it drives me crazy. <laughs> I'm like, 
someone say something. Yeah. I don't want to have to be the person to say something. Yeah. And I'll be like, oh, I thought this part was really cool. Is anybody else like, how many thoughts on that? You know, just yeah. I just hate the silence. It's yeah. so awkward. Yeah. So that's what will prompt me to. But what what degree did you get? Uh, your graduate degree. What did so, you? so I got my undergrad and my master's in criminal justice. You did. Yep. I didn't know that. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. So it was fun. It was really cool. Like, I don't know, like once you get to grad school, it's to the point where like all the kids who are just getting their degrees are weeded out. Yeah. And everyone in your class like wants to be there and they want to learn. It's not like psych 101 where there's 200 kids, <laughs> yeah. you know, and my, my introduction to grad school was we met up, I think in the education building or something and our professor took role and he was like, I think there were like eight of us in the class and he goes, all right, we're going to the bar. And then like, we just had class like in the bar drinking beer. It that's was awesome. the coolest introduction. I was yeah. like, if grad school's like this, this is so cool. Yeah. That's like, that's like some dead poet society stuff. It was like, this it, is great. It <laughs> felt like that. Like we had a couple of professors that I feel like challenged us and they yeah. would, I mean, they, they would teach in like a different way. They would just like ask you a question, make you think about it and form your own opinion. And it was like, you couldn't be wrong. Yeah. Which was cool. Yeah. That's cool. Like actually like prompts learning. Yeah. You know, cause yeah. I've had, I've had some good professors at Boise state and some, some not so good ones. And I like, it makes me feel better. Even if it's like excited to go, if I'm actually like yeah. learning and yeah. Yeah. So what and did I, you want to do with criminal justice? Uh, so I initially, I wanted to go into law enforcement. Um, and I pursued that for a little bit and I interviewed with a federal law enforcement agency and I got pretty far in the interview process. And during that process, I was working at St. Alphonsus and I got a couple of promotions while I was at St. Mm-hmm. Al's. And so it was kind of perfect that it didn't work out with that agency because I got, I had a good job and I met my wife, I bought a house here, I started a business. So it like, you know, I think the universe did me a favor by, you know. Yeah. There we go. Yeah. That's great. Yeah. Okay. What do you want to do with your degree? I'm thinking that ideally I will go be some kind of, I maybe like either immigration law, which I've heard is like really depressing, but also they're just like very overwhelmed all the time or, um, like a public defender, which is also very depressing and they're always overwhelmed and, or, I, or being like a union thug lawyer kind of thing. Oh, yeah. Like John Gotti. Yeah, yeah. exactly. Um, so I actually know one of my professors from Boise State, she no longer teaches, but she works for Public Defenders of Idaho. Okay. Yeah. And so if you want a hookup, I, I would like I'll a hook hook up. you up. Yeah. Okay. I would, cause that's definitely something that I'm considering. It's like they, yeah, they seriously, I'm sure they always need more people. And it's like, I, I know the three kind of like lawyers I just mentioned are the kind of lawyers that make no money, but it's definitely, I think the ones that would make me feel the most fulfilled you yeah. know, and because I, think I it, love the law. <laughs> yeah, as, soon, as soon as you start worrying about yeah. cash, you know, you're not going to do what you want yeah. to do in life. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, I think, uh, God, you, you, when you say public defender, it made me think, of, have you seen Better Call Saul? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Mm-hmm. That like yeah. that show glorified like the grind. Like you go to the coffee machine, get coffee and you're like, I'll take the next one, whatever. Like yeah. who, who's up? And it's like some dude that was doing meth on the street and you're like <laughs> you got to learn the case in like five minutes and then go defend him and yeah yeah, yeah. exactly yeah. yeah i'm sure it's like exhausting so it's but yeah it's definitely one of like the avenues i'm going to be like looking into and t- like taking those kind of classes and to see because i don't i don't know um yeah it's like 
my so my mom was a lawyer and my grandpa and my mom is like always hoped that at least one of her kids would be a lawyer and i probably want to be the kind of lawyer that make her the most proud but at least she'll be happy that one of her kids is going to law that's school that's awesome so. cool <laughs> yeah cool yeah right on um so we're we're coming up on an hour and 30 i okay. i was hoping that we'd get along and get a talk yeah and this we is did great. Yeah, yeah this is awesome mm-hmm. so um I'd be giving my guests a chance to have the last word on the podcast. Okay. Um, so if you want to put something out there into the universe and have us end on something good. Okay. Sounds good. Um, well, for, I just really appreciate you having me on. This really was great. I had a great chat. And um, I just wanted to make sure that anyone that's listening just um, knows that if you are someone who has any kind of um, difficulty at work with everything, you know, the pandemic that's been going on that you're not alone. You know, there's a lot of people out there that are going through similar stuff because this is kind of an issue that has exposed a lot of issues that are affecting everyone. So if you, um, you know, especially in the restaurant industry, if you know people that are going through similar issues, um, I encourage you to reach out to the restaurant organizing project and we are trying to do some like national efforts to help um, people make sure they have COVID safety and are taken care of in the service industry. And yeah, just know that there are a lot of people who are really appreciating essential workers at this time. And we hope that we can all just, you know, keep on keeping on. And thank you for having me. Awesome. Thank you very much. Okay, we're done.